0: It's a privilege to be here right now at this moment, and I'm Almas, and I'm from Kazakhstan. And here's my wife Marina, and our children just went downstairs. Uh, yeah, uh, we we were serving with Campus Crusade back in our country for some years, and now my beloved one uh, studies at the Wheaton College. So and. She's about to finish and we'll soon, we'll go back, I mean, like in August. So, uh, the today's topic is grace is upon us. This is why I'm asking you right now, so you start practicing, okay, on me. Be gracious to me today. <laughs> okay? So, uh, and uh, my sermon is will be divided into two parts, uh, graces upon sinners, and the second part, graces upon us during hardships. You know, uh, being on that side of the world, Fyodor Dostoevsky is my favorite author. He lived during 19th century before the socialist revolution. As a devout Christian man, in his books, he touched such topics as sin, salvation, and of course, grace. His books many times warned young people, mostly students, who denied at that time the existence of God. They were very smart and very ambitious, and this is why they caused the spark of the socialistic revolution. They learned things from the universities, and they knew how to run things. But also, they wanted to become judge, judge of the world. And they wanted to have this judgmental character. And they know who had the right to live and who didn't have the right to live. In order to make these changes, they wanted to destroy all religious activities in the country. And were these students pure evil? We will ask, of course not because these students saw the poverty in the country, they saw lack of education, they saw social injustice, and their motives might be right. And Dostoevsky at the same time, he also sees these realities. He sees the imperfect Russia. He also addresses in his books uh, these issues, like he sees that Christian society is broken, and how people try to survive in this society. And he wanted also these changes to come in the country, but the only difference was that he didn't want the wicked and sinful people die. If these students suggested, if we will destroy all people who have different mind, then we will bring the bright future much faster. Why do we need to spend time for transitioning, you know, for changing the society gradually? But Dostoevsky, in the contrast, says there's only one judge in this world, and this is God. And more, moreover, he says that uh, God, instead of pouring his wrath on this world, he pours his grace on people through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Dostoevsky once wrote one book called Crime and Punishment. Some of you might hear about it, some not. But in this book, it's interesting that there was one man named Mr. Marmiladov. This man had a wife uh, who was uh, diagnosed with tuberculosis, and that disease was uh, fatal in the 19th century. He had little kids. Also, he had an older daughter from his first marriage uh, named Sonia. And actually, this man failed everyone possible in this world. He failed his family. He failed his wife. He failed his little kids. He failed his older daughter. He failed his co-workers, everyone. But deep in his heart, he hoped for the grace of God. This daughter, Sonia, his first daughter, 18 years old, was beautiful and young. And she saw that her family lives in poverty. Her stepmother is deadly sick. Mr. Marmelade of her father is an alcohol addict. Her, li- her little brothers and sisters are starving and may die soon. Being a girl of that day age, at that time, she had no choice. She couldn't find a job but she loves her family so much so she wants to find the money for a doctor for her mother and she wants to feed the children she has no choice she becomes a prostitute she hates for herself for doing that but she loves her family so much she doesn't want them to die and her father alcoholic Mr. Marmeladov in one day meets Raskolnikov, the main character of the book. He is a young man, a student of the University in St. Petersburg, who sees himself as high as Napoleon Bonaparte. The student is smart, but had some financial issues, had some financial problems. And in one day he decides to kill one old but wealthy lady. She was very far from a sweet lady honestly. She was bad. She would buy jewelry from poor people for a very low price because she knew that they needed cash. This is why this student Raskolnikov justifies himself. This is why he thinks he can murder this lady. He says something like that. You know, Napoleon led and involved thousands of people in a war. An enormous amount of soldiers died in those wars, and Napoleon became a national hero. And if I kill this horrible old lady, whom anyway nobody loves, then I'll make the world better. I will save many people from her greedy hands. He exalts himself over her, believing that he is better than her, believing that he will make the world better. The tragedy of this man goes deeper because when he kills her, he he killed an innocent girl who happened to be a witness of his murder. Raskolnikov is the type that believes and knows that what is best in the world. Aren't we all sometimes like that? But on the contrary, Mr. Marmiladov, the drunk addict, knows that he's a total failure. He has no dreams that one day people would forgive him. He knows that he deserves death. But deep in his heart, he hopes for God's mercy, for his unconditional love and grace. In his monologue, he says the following. He, Jesus, will come in one day... And he will ask, Where is the daughter who gave herself for her cross, consumptive stepmother and for the little children of another? Where is the daughter who had pity upon the filthy drunkard, her earthly father, undismayed by his beastliness? And he will say, Come to me. I have already forgiven you. Come to me. I have forgiven you. And He will forgive my Sonia. He will forgive. I know it. I felt it in my heart when I was with her just now. And he will judge and will forgive all the good and the evil, the wise and the meek. And when he's done with all of them, then he will summon us. You too come forth. He will say, come forth, you drunkards. Come forth, you weak ones. Come forth. You children of shame, and we shall all come forth without shame and shall stand before him. And he will say unto us, You are swine, made in the image of the beast and with his mark, but come forth you also. And the wise ones and those of understanding will say, O Lord, why do you receive these men? And he will say, This is why I receive them, O you wise. This is why I receive them, O you of understanding, that none of them believed himself to be worthy of this. And he will hold out his hands to us, and we shall all fall down before him, and we shall weep. And we shall understand all things, then we shall understand all, and all will understand. Lord, your kingdom come. Dostoevsky constructed this monologue, I believe, for, uh, on the following Bible teachings. Uh, he projects a story about sinful woman who wet Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And also Dostoevsky incorporates in this monologue some of other verses from the Bible. And I'll read them. Therefore I tell you, Her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. Jesus says to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The other verse says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In Romans 3, 23, 24, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Although Mr. Marmelada failed everyone possible, he understood the heart of God. He understood who was Christ and what he's done on the cross. He died for his sins and for his failures. Jesus died for all of us. We all deserve death. But whoever believes in him will not perish by the grace of God. You can fail your family, your marriage, your children, anyone in this world. But nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. His grace upon you is a result of his love to you. The Bible says... For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The sin in our life can be great. We can do a lot of stuff in our lives and we might have done them. But always remember God's grace is greater than that. Satan wants you to see your weakness and despair but God wants you to see his work in your weakness and rejoice. God always gives us a chance. He doesn't get tired of it. We're weak, and he knows it. He knows our hearts. He knows that what we've done. And if we repent before him, his grace is enough to forgive us. The young man Raskolnikov believed in his own righteousness he was the one who judged others. He knew better than God. And sometimes we're honestly like him, thinking, thinking that we can build our salvation through our self-righteousness. We know what is better sometimes. And we might say, but we didn't kill anyone. But we may kill some people in our hearts. We may hate people around us and be Christians at the same time. The tragedy of it is not the hate itself, but thinking that the hate and the action of it, it's the right thing to do. We should ask God to help us to understand that we all are sinful and justified by his shed blood, by him alone, not through our works or church goings, active evangelism, or any other activities. We are forgiven by him. We are forgiven sinners. Forgiven sinners, this is our identity. And you know, you cannot split these two words, forgiven sinners. If we just say we're forgiven, then it can lead us into pride. But if we say, if we're sinners only, then we're doomed and we have no hope. But because we are forgiven sinners... We have this hope. God's grace is upon us. The state of being forgiven sinners is a consequence of the shed grace upon us. Then you may ask if we're forgiven, then if grace is enough, can we just sin? God gives us a chance anyway. In the book of Romans, chapter 6, Apostle Paul says, Of course not. And we know that, right? We know that it's not right and we can't go and sin intentionally. And, but if you do, just go online, find our church in there, find previous sermons on deadly sins, and you will understand that's not the right thing to do. We have to overcome sins. But the grace upon us is enough to forgive our sins. And this grace helps us to overcome The sins. God pours grace into our lives, and as children of His, we don't want to intentionally break our father's heart. And but sometimes we do it. Sometimes we just make mistakes and He knows it. And you should be knowing all the time that any sin you have committed, but if you repented for it, His grace. Is over. His grace is greater than your sin. And you're forgiven. So this was the first part I wanted to talk about. Uh, grace is upon the sinners. But what about grace during hardships? We can ask the question, why did God not heal Mr. Marmiladov, And why he didn't help his daughter Sonia to get a good job? Sometimes in our lives, there are seasons that we don't understand. Like, why does pain come into our lives? All sorts of pains, diseases, loss of people, all sorts of pain. But going through such stages of our lives, we need to see that God's grace is upon us. Talking about grace during the hardships, I want to assure you that He's in there. He's in the midst of it. God is in there. And should we ask God why this is happening to me? You know, I ask many times, but he doesn't reply immediately, you know, and it doesn't help sometimes. But maybe I should ask myself, how should I respond to these challenges in my life? You know, the book of Job describes about his children lost, the disease he went through, God allowed Satan to come into Job's life and to work in there. In the story with Jacob, God himself challenges Jacob and wrestles with him. The hardships came into their lives, not because of sin. Sometimes bad stuff happens in our lives. Sometimes bad stuff happens in the people's life of our children of God. Throughout 20 years of living with Laban... Jacob got married with two of his daughters, got two mistresses, has got eleven children overall, and we know that his life was tough at that time. Laban cheated him so many times. But anyway, God continually blessed him. He became successful. He's got his wealth. He understood the local rules, and his life went nice and easy. However, at this very moment, for some reason, God is calling him back home to his older brother. To the brother he outwitted once. God, are you sure? What were you thinking, sending me back? What will my brother do to me? So Jacob doesn't know what to do, but he wants to be obedient. So he sends his spies, and spies are coming from Esau, and they say, you know, Jacob... There are 400 armed men, and he's willing to bring these guys and meet you. Why does he want to take his army? Am I a prince or someone famous, or he just wants to kill me? So he's in great fear. Genesis 32:11 says, he says, Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau. For I am afraid he will come and attack me. And you know, like, when anybody, anybody is in a stressful situation, in his blood there's a lot of adrenaline. You know, body produces adrenaline. And this adrenaline causes you to react like, you, you have like two options. One to escape, to run away. The other to fight. This is basically like instincts of the body, of the human being and so he's under distress and once he uh, Jacob just sends his family all across the river and he stays alone and in that moment God encounters him himself he has no time to think so he, he takes this challenge he starts to wrestle with God God encounters him and it's interesting that It is happening at the moment when Jacob wants to be obedient to God. He he wants to follow God's directions. But at that very moment, Esau is going to come with his army. And God, it looks like God himself is encountering him. So what he needs to do. and, And he wrestles till the daybreak. And God touches his hip and breaks it. In Genesis 32, 24, 25, it says. And, but at the same time, he breaks his hip. He has this pain. But God gives him a new name and blesses him. And I think in our lives, sometimes God encourages us. He comforts us. He forgives our sins. You know, like he did with Jacob when he met him for the first time at Bethel. But now he wants to make him a warrior. He wants to make him stronger. And also in our lives, sometimes we, like Jacob, succeed. You know, but sometimes we fail. Sometimes we we have periods of prosperity, but sometimes of stagnation. Sometimes we feel so good that we think we can climb the Mount of Everest. But sometimes we get ill and we can do basically nothing with it. But I want to assure you, brothers and sisters, God is with you at that moment. Jacob holds the angel, holds God. We're not sure who was that, but it was God or from God. And says, bless me. He's in pain. And God ones who uh, ones who touched his hip and broke it blesses him, but also it's interesting that he changes his name and in ancient times, these uh names uh, were very popular, and they also describe the people's life for for example, Jacob meant holder of the hill in other words supplanter because he outwitted his brother. He cheated him. But now God tells him, I'm going to change your name. He calls him Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. overcome. And if you, brothers and sisters, go now, go now through this stage of life when you're not sure, you're in pain, God calls you Israel. God calls you, you are overcomer. God is with you at these moments. Yes, you heard. Yes, you are. You heard. But God is with you and His grace is upon you. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, in difficulties for when I am weak I am strong whether God allows Satan attack us like he did with Job whether God encounters himself like it was with Jacob and all this can happen in our lives when we try to be obedient to God God wants to make you a warrior God is in control it is very painful sometimes but His grace is with you. And it is sufficient. God is in control of the situation. Even when we don't see it or feel it, God is in the midst of it. And He will walk you through. Because He loves you so much. We all dear to God's heart, regardless what we've done in our lives. Our spiritual fathers, Jacob, Paul, David, all committed one's great sins. But God's grace was bigger than that. They also went through different kinds of hardships in their lives. But God's grace was greater than that. Let Christ's power rest upon you, my brothers and sisters, when you are weak. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for everything in our lives, for everything we want to receive your blessings and we want to see your glory lord through our hardships as well we want to see your grace please help us we are weak we we're sinful people lord but you have forgiven us let us always remember that your grace is bigger than our sin You have forgiven us. Lord, and when we go through hardships, Lord, please help us to see you in that, Lord. To see you when we go through pain, Lord. Help those around us who go through this pain. Let them see your glory, Lord. Thank you so much for your being with us, Lord, and your love. Thank you so much. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.